0: In this week's market update, investors struggle to decide if the glass is half full or half empty as the US jobs market booms while the UK teeters on the edge of recession. Sometimes in investment, good news is bad and vice versa. Last week, the US jobs market surprised everyone again with 528,000 new positions created in July. That's more than twice the 250,000 that had been expected and up sharply from the 398,000 new jobs in June. Now, that's obviously good news for American workers, and it suggests that the world's biggest economy may be further away from recession than had been thought. The cloud around that silver lining for investors, however, is the fact that the Fed has been handed another reason to keep pushing interest rates higher. The last two Fed meetings have seen US rates rise by 0.75 percentage points, and it now looks pretty certain that the September meeting will see another jumbo rate hike. The two-year Treasury bond yield, which is most closely linked to forecast for monetary policy in the short term, jumped by 0.21 percentage points to 3.25% on Friday. That's a really big move for a bond yield, which typically moves in small increments. And it suggests that the jobs data came as a big surprise to investors. Longer-dated bond yields which are more influenced by inflation expectations fell by less, but they are now lower than the short-dated bond yields, which is typically a sign of difficult times ahead. This pattern of high short-term yields and lower long-term yields, called an inverted yield curve, occurs when the markets think near-term monetary policy is too aggressive and will lead in due course to recession. The yield curve has not been this inverted since 2000, shortly before the bursting of the dot-com bubble caused a sharp slowdown in the economy. Expectations about where interest rates end up in the current tightening cycle shot up to 3.64%, which investors think will be reached in March next year. Currently, interest rates in America are in the range between Two and a quarter and two and a half percent. So investors have taken to heart the suggestion last week from Mary Daly, the head of the San Francisco Fed, that the central bank is, in her words, nowhere near done in its fight to get on top of inflation. The impact of these bond yield rises was to take the edge off the recent rally in share prices. July was a strong month for stock markets as investors started to believe that the Federal Reserve would not need to raise rates as high as they'd previously thought. But last week's strong employment data suggested that optimism was premature. Investors are clearly uncertain whether they should view the stock market and economic glass as half full or half empty at the moment and the volatility of recent months is likely to continue until there's greater clarity on the impact that rising interest rates are having on the real economy. Here in the UK, there's clearly more of a glass half-empty feel in the run-up to Friday's second quarter GDP announcement. The UK is expected to have contracted very marginally in the April to June quarter, with a 0.2% contraction between the first and second quarters. That followed a 0.8% growth in the first quarter compared with the end of last year. Unfortunately, if the Bank of England is to be believed, this modest slowdown in the spring is just the start of a deeper and more protracted slowdown over the rest of this year and throughout 2023. Last week, the Bank downgraded its economic forecast for the UK, even as it raised interest rates by the biggest margin, half a percent, in nearly 30 years. The bank thinks the economy will contract until the end of next year and growth after that will be very weak by historical standards. Indeed, the economy is forecast to be smaller in 2025 than it was in 2019 before the pandemic. So this is the backdrop, together with persistently high inflation peaking at maybe 13% next year to the ongoing Conservative Party leadership contest. It set the scene for a divisive battle over the best way to handle the cost-of-living crisis in Britain. One candidate, Liz Truss, told the FT last week that she believes the best way to support struggling families is by cutting taxes and so growing the economy. Her rival, former Chancellor Rishi Sunak, believes tax cuts need to wait until inflation has been overcome and he favours targeted support rather than generalised tax cuts the battle is complicated by the fact that both candidates are speaking in the short term to a narrow cross-section of society, Conservative Party members, but in the knowledge that after September the 5th, when one of them will take over from Boris Johnson as Prime Minister, they will be answerable to a much wider constituency, including, within no more than about two years, the whole country, when the next election comes round. From an investment perspective, the fate of the UK economy is arguably less important than global influences because the UK stock market is very international and the majority of the earnings of Britain's leading companies are made overseas. As such, the health of the global economy and the cost of internationally traded commodities such as oil are just as important as whether Britain falls into recession. The wider economic context is in focus again this week thanks to Wednesday's inflation reports in both China and the US. The big question hanging over the US inflation data is the extent to which food and fuel inflation is spilling over into broader measures. Although the headline inflation rate is expected to grow by just 0.2% between June and July, the core, or underlying, rate is forecast to rise by 0.5%. Also in the spotlight this week will be the ongoing relationship between China and the US, in particular over Taiwan, where House Speaker Nancy Pelosi triggered an angry response from Beijing last week with the highest level visit to Taiwan in decades. China has been conducting military exercises near Taiwan ever since her visit. From a markets perspective, the focus is on Taiwan's globally important semiconductor industry, any disruption to Taiwanese production would strike at the heart of the world's manufacturing industries, for which semiconductors are key. Supply chains are still recovering from lockdowns in China's big cities, notably Shanghai, and another shock would be taken badly by investors. In other markets, commodities are in the spotlight this week. First, the oil will be in focus when we get monthly oil market reports from the Energy Information Administration, And from opec with recession looming in key regions the likelihood of lower oil demand will put downward pressure on the oil price but supply remains tight with only limited production concessions so far from the world's main producers who obviously stand to benefit from keeping the price relatively high Also in focus this week are some of the more niche commodities, such as lithium, which has bucked the generally weaker trend for most natural resources, thanks to a long-term mismatch between supply and demand as the electric vehicle revolution unfolds. Lithium is used in car batteries, and it's at the heart of a global battle to secure supplies. The world's leading car makers are fighting to guarantee access to a raw material that is a key part of their bids to control the next phase of the global automotive market. There's been an eightfold surge in the price of lithium since the start of 2020. And while it's now steadied at close to its record of $70,000 a tonne, it is showing no sign of following other industrial metals like copper lower.